You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We've been talking about the supernatural, obviously, right? We've been talking about the unseen world of, of, uh, of demons and angels and, and the supernatural activity that happens that is, that is there that we don't always realize, the spiritual war that's going on and uh, how sometimes we neglect the spiritual war. So um, today we're going to end with an examination of uh, something that people don't like to talk about, and that is hell. But we're also going to talk about something people do like to talk about, and that is heaven. So if you have any questions, get your phone out. I'll be answering questions at the end of the service, uh, 469-877-1101. My number's right on the screen. Go ahead and write it down. Feel free to text me, and then after the message, um, we'll, uh, we'll answer some questions. So what happens after the afterlife is uh, discussed, debated, denounced, and argued. Um, and some say it's impossible to know. In fact, as Christians, the Bible says we can know what it's like, and, and we'll often be accused of being arrogant and kind of, uh, you know, uh, who are we to claim that we know what happens? I mean, nobody really knows. Well, yeah, we do. Because I, I believe this and I trust this. And, um, but a lot of people, they so, you know, there's some funny stuff about heaven and hell. I don't know if you're familiar with Far Side Comics, one of my favorites. Here's uh, some comics. I'll know if you get them by your laughs. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is hell for, um, for some. This is hell. For <laughs> yeah, it's a few laughs. You have to think about it for a few minutes. I like this one. Oh, man, the coffee's cold. They thought of everything. <laughs> All right, here's a couple more. We got some more. Here's another one. These are good. Aerobics in hell. That's good. Nerds in hell. <laughs> That's funny stuff right there. Uh, and I like this one. He's whistling while he's working in hell. And the demons say to each other, you know, we're just not reaching that guy. Uh, one more because uh, there's heaven and hell compared in the far side. And I like this one, welcome to heaven, welcome to hell. That's kind of funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I worry. There's not much laughing. I'm like, do you guys, you don't understand. I like some people, they think heaven is boring. So I like this picture up here, you know, I wish I'd brought a, ba- a magazine. And some people, they think hell, you know, God, he's mean, he's vicious. And the center how God's up there taking fun in uh, in our life. And here he is, God at his computer. He's dropping pianos on un- unsuspected victims. Um, our idea of heaven and hell, what we believe about the afterlife determines this life and the next life. What we believe, how we view hell today will determine how we live today. And how we view heaven today will determine how we live today. Not only does it determine our afterlife, but it determines this life as well, it shapes the way we think. For example, if you are an atheist and you think, well, God's not there and heaven's not there and, you know, and I have no real, you know, sir, other than maybe hurting some people, I'm free to do whatever I want and, and act and think as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. An atheist might think or someone might think, well, if there's, um, if there's purgatory, some might think, well, then, then I can work you know, that often in purgatory, I can live like hell today and then be a good person uh, somewhat and then go to purgatory for a few hundred years and then work off my, my sin and go to heaven. Uh, or you might think maybe that, that your determination, your destination is determined by your actions. So you might be like putting in overtime on trying to make sure that you go to heaven by doing things just right, by acting just right. Some, you might think, well, you become an angel in heaven. So you're thinking, wow, man, I'm going to be an angel and things I can do. Maybe you think uh, that there's reincarnation. So you're like, you know what? If I don't get it this life, I'll get the next life to try it out. Or, or maybe you think that everybody goes to heaven. So if you think everybody goes to heaven, then, then why even tell anybody? about Jesus, because if it, they'll make it anyways, right? What's the point? See, what we think and believe about heaven and hell today, it determines how we live now, and it determines how we live next. So we're going to break it up into three sections. We're going to break it up into death, destina- uh, death, divide, and destination. I'm going to talk about death first for just a second. Death, I don't know if you know this, you can write this down, death is certain, 
turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to die. <laughs> Good times in church. You're going to die. And then follow it with a. Give them the best evil laugh. You can. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, death is, is absolutely a sure thing. It is probably one of the most painful facts of life. Loved ones that we love will die. Pets that we love will die. We will die. The pain of loss is unbearable for many. The going without somebody, missing somebody, death, its sting, its pain has got to be absolutely the most severe, painful fact of life. Hebrews 9.27 says, Just as people are destined to die once, again, turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to die. Just as people are destined to die once, by the way, everybody say once. That means there's no reincarnation. You don't get to come back as a cockroach or or as the president. <clears throat> you don't you don't come back. You die once, and after that you face judgment. We don't get to hang around. We don't get to haunt our house. Um, we don't get to protect our loved ones. We don't have unfinished business that we get to work out. The Bible says it is appointed to die once, and then boom, after that you face judgment. Last week we talked about how supposed ghosts and some elements of the supernatural like ghosts and paranormal are actually demons in disguise impersonating people. They can do that. We talked about that last week. Verse 28 says, so Christ was suffered. Because of death, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many and he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So the writer of Hebrews is saying, man, death is horrible. Man, we're all going to die. And we're all going to, we're all going to die and we're all going to face judgment. But he says, thank God Jesus died for our sins. Thank God that Jesus made a way for us not to experience the pain and the agony of an eternal death, but we can experience life for those that know Jesus. Now, one thing is for sure, it's going to happen. Everyone here will die one day. It might be today. It might be 80 years from now. But it will happen. We will die. One out of one die. <laughs> it's just, there's no working around it. For some, I believe that what we're going to talk about today, God brought you here today to open your eyes about your life. Second thing I want you to know about death is that our body and our soul will separate. Our body and our soul will separate. I've often used this illustration of funerals. I'll I'll have a glove and I'll put a glove on my hand and I'll say, what's real, my hand or the glove? And they'll say, well, your hand is real. I said, but you see the glove, right? You see the glove, but what's inside the glove is what's real. What's on the outside is just a package for the hand. And you know what the Bible says? that our soul, our spirit is real. And our body is just the package. It's just the glove, the body glove, literally. It's the glove for our soul, for our spirit. And when we die, our body will stay here and our spirit will move on. Our body and spirit will separate. Our body and soul will separate. We are eternal beings. We were created to live forever. You are not your body. And everybody said, thank you, God, for that, right? It is a tent for our spirit. It is a temporary place. This is what it says, and Jesus said this in Matthew. Uh, Matthew wrote down what Jesus said, rather, in chapter 10, verse 20. It says, do not be afraid of those that can kill the body. He says, don't worry about just dying in this life. He says, don't worry about those that can kill the body and cannot kill the soul because they're separate. He says, but rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. And he's talking about God who has the judgment power. He's not talking about the devil. He's talking about be afraid of the one, the Lord God Almighty, who is able to send someone to heaven and to hell who can destroy both the body and the soul. So that's about death. Now let's talk about this divide. I'm not talking about the divide of our body and soul, but where does our spirit go? Where does our soul go? I want you to write this down. Hebrews told us this a second ago is that we will all be judged. So when there is a divide, there is a day when we will... We will die. Every one of you in this room will have an appointment with the ground. 
Every one of you have, it's, you have a date already with death. And, and when it happens, I saw this funny video this week of this guy getting in an elevator and the Grim Reaper was uh, in the elevator with him and uh, they were doing small talk. And then the guy goes, are you here for it? And the Grim Reaper goes, no, I'm here for so-and-so. And he goes, oh, whew. and then the guy goes, awkward. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> Yeah, the grim reaper will be coming for you. We will all be judged. Romans, well, 9.27, if Hebrew says, just as man is appointed to die once, after that we face judgment. Romans 14.10 says, for we all, for we will all stand before God's judgment seat. For some, that judgment will be good. And for others, that judgment not so good. In fact, this is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says, we must all, all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We will all be judged. Every one of you not only has a date with death, but you have an appointment with judgment. Every one of you will have a day where you will stand before God and give an account for your life. Every one of you here. Not only is there a judgment, but the Bible says that we will all have an eternal destination. This is what Malachi says in chapter 3, verse 18. He says, and you will see, I'm just having mic problems again. You will see the destination, the distinction, sorry, between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Malachi says there's going to be a day when there will be a clear distinction between between those who follow God and those who do not. Matthew, Jesus says this, this is how it will be at the end of the age. Jesus says the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. What makes a person wicked? What makes a person righteous? We're going to talk about that in a second. Jesus gives this great parable of the sheep and the goats. He says, those that are sheep are God's people. Those that are goats are the wicked of this earth. And he says, There will come a day that he will divide them to his right and to his left. And when he divides them, they will be divided between the followers of Jesus and those who are not. And this is what he says in Matthew 25, 46. He says, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, I want you to hear this. This is an eternal destination. Some people say, well, you know what? You go to hell, you're there for a little while, and you just kind of burn up, you know? Just kind of don't exist anymore after that. It's annihilation. A lot of cults and a lot of groups of people uh, believe that when you die, um, you go to heaven or you cease to exist. You're annihilated. Well, Jesus is very clear, and there's other passages we're going to find. He says, just as heaven is eternal and goes on forever and ever, so is hell. And judgment. And not only that, he says they will go away to eternal punishment. That's heavy duty, right? Eternal punishment. We are eternal beings. We'll all will be judged. Our destination is one of two places. There is no purgatory. It's either everlasting life or everlasting punishment. So let's talk about the destinations. That's where I want to focus today. I want to talk about the destinations of heaven and hell. Now that we've finished talking about death and the divide, let's talk about the destination, eternal destinations. Now, the afterlife in the Old Testament is obscure. There's a word in the Old Testament that is basically meant, that's said for everything. Everybody say Sheol. Sheol, it's a word in the Old Testament, and it basically means the grave. And it is translated sometimes as the grave, sometimes it's translated as paradise, sometimes it's translated as hell. Sometimes it's translated as place of the dead or where the dead abide or the abyss. It is the same word that's meant everything afterlife. In the Old Testament, they didn't have a clear picture of the afterlife. Jesus revealed the afterlife. In fact, the number one thing that Jesus talked about more than anything else, heaven and hell. That was his number one topic of discussion, the kingdom of God and those that don't go. He clarified, but the Old Testament is very obscure. But the Bible in the Old Testament still points out a place of Sheol that is good and a place of Sheol that is bad. The good place, the Jewish people came to call that place the bosom of Abraham. So 
By the way, I had a former staff member who uh, debated the whole existence of heaven with me one time. And, and, and uh, let's just say he's not with us anymore. Um, he was really obsessed over Jewish history and Jewish stories. And so he began to adopt an Old Testament view of the afterlife, which was obscure and nobody knows. In fact, today, to this day, 90% of Jewish people are atheists. In fact, uh, a large percentage, the majority of rabbis and even Orthodox Jews do not believe in an eternal place of life. Um, Jesus, God in the flesh, explains and clarifies. In fact, he gave a revelation to one of his disciples named John. So let's read of one of these destinations revealed, heaven to John. Revelation 21, 1, it says, Then I saw, this is John, getting a revelation from Jesus. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven of God, prepared as a bride. By the way, he's referencing the body of Christ. We are that city. We are that city, that building. We are that place. He says, beautifully dressed for her husband. He's talking about the body of Christ. That's us. And I heard a loud voice from the throne this is Jesus, this is God himself saying, look, God's, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Verse 27 says, nothing impure will enter it, no more sin nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, when we get to heaven, there'll be a day when there'll be no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering, no more sickness, no more sin. And the people you love, you'll get to know without all that stuff coming in between you. Now, so what will heaven be like? Here's a snapshot of heaven. I'm going to go through this pretty quick because there's additional verses in your notes and I want you to go home and and read about heaven. There's a great book uh, that you can uh, check out. Um, It's uh, by Randy Alcorn. It's simply called Heaven. It's a great book on heaven. Here's some thoughts on what heaven will be like. Number one, uh, you'll be with Jesus. Hallelujah, right? Thank God for that. You'll be with Jesus. You'll get to hang out with him. He'll get to hold you. He'll say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. If you are his and you've done that, he will say, come on. You'll be with Jesus. You'll be with the Savior. You'll be with the creator. You'll be with the one who's the lover of your soul, the one who paid it all, the one whose blood was shed for you. Those nail-scarred hands, you'll get to feel in that embrace. Number two, he says, The Bible tells us that you will have reward and responsibility. Heaven is not a boring place. You're going to have all kinds of things that you can be a part of and you can do. A lot of people think heaven's going to be like floating around in togas and wings and eating grapes and reclining on those couches, you know. I used to think that all as like, you know, hell looks pretty bad, but heaven just looks really boring, right? And we used to think heaven's going to be, you know, and 24-hour praise and worship services. Some of you can't even handle 20 minutes. And you're like, I don't know if I want to go to heaven because I can't handle standing. Some of you guys, you, you're like, oh, just get, just get it over with. That's unfortunate because it's a great time to really connect with the creator of the universe. And when you reach out to him, he reaches out to you. But you know what? When you get to heaven, you're going to have reward for the things you've done in this life that have been honorable to God, and you'll be given responsibility. The Bible says there'll be jobs and roles that we'll all have, and we'll be able to rule and reign with him. Uh, It's very exciting. The Bible also says that heaven will be like this, that you're going to get to worship in the very presence of God. And you're going to enjoy it. You're going to love it. They, the, it's interesting. Uh, the angels in heaven, it says that they bow before the throne and they say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then they, they stand up and they look at God and they go, oh, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then they look up and they go, oh, my Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And then they look at God and they go back down and they cry, holy, holy, holy. And the Bible says, man, that that the angels in heaven, they're crying, holy, holy, holy. 
is the Lord God Almighty forever. And you know what? It's because every time they look at him, it's like, whoa, holy are you, God. Whoa, holy are you. It's not like, oh, they missed the slides. (laughs) It's not going to be, I heard the pop in the speakers. It's going to be holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's going to be powerful. We get a glimpse of that. We get a flavor. We get a chance to to see just a little bit of what that's like when we worship God here. Fourth thing it says uh, that I have here is that uh, what heaven will be like is that you'll be known as you. (laughs) You'll be known as you. That means when I get to heaven, guess who I'm going to be? I'm going to be Ted. And when you get to heaven, if you get to heaven, if you get to heaven, you get to be you. You know, I get to spend heaven with my best friend, my wife. Now, she won't be in the same role as her wife. Jesus says there won't be giving of marriage in heaven. You won't be able to procreate in heaven. That won't be necessary. That's a whole other teaching. But when I get to heaven, my best friend will be there, my wife, and I will know her as my best friend, and I will get to hang out with her. I will see my kids. You know what? My mother has went on before me. She graduated early, and she went to heaven, and she's in heaven right now. And guess what? When I get to heaven, I'm going to know my mom. I'm not going to go, whoa, mom, you look different there's some where is she she's in there in that crowd and they all look the same that's not heaven i will know her as she is not only that all the great things about her that i love will be excellent and all those things that used to drive me crazy they'll be gone (laughs) same thing with my wife (laughs) ditto (laughs) But my two angel kids, there's nothing that will be different about them. <laughs> All right, First Corinthians 12, 13 says, For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall fully know, even as I am fully known. He says, you know what? When you get to heaven, you do, we see a little bit of God's glory, a little bit of what each of us can be like. But when we get to heaven, man, it's going to be face to face with Jesus and all those things that kind of came between you and the people that you love, face to face, you're going to see them fully as they truly are in the beautiful creation that they were meant to be. My family, my kids, my friends, if they are there, I will know them as I know them now and even better, fully without sin. Here's the last thing I want you to know about heaven is that it will be a blast. It will be a blast. I believe heaven is under attack. Heaven is under attack because people say it's quiet, it's dull, it's stale, it's togas and grapes. It's 24-hour singing with harps and wings. It's boring. It is not that at all. It is not that at all. Here's some verses. Psalm 84.10 says, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Man, just to be in your presence, man, that's better than anywhere else on this planet or with anyone else. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. He's talking about, man, there's, we've seen some heaven. In fact, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, man, I even had a chance to go by vision into the realm of the third heaven, but God told me not to tell you anything. I was like, Paul, then why'd you even say it? You know, he says, he says, man, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's like nothing you can imagine before. That is why I have serious problems with the NDE books, the near death experience books. All right. I don't like any of them, and I'm going to make somebody mad here because it's one of your favorite books, all right? But you can love me anyways, right? Here's a couple of reasons why I don't like NDE books is first, every religion has them, and they're all different. I was, you know, there are Muslim near-death experience books where they died and saw Allah. There are New Age books where they died and saw goddess families and, God, and they saw pagans and spirits. There are people who are uh, Buddhists who, who died and saw multiple millions of deities or they saw, uh, you know, um, the deities of, of, of India. Um, uh, we, we cannot rely on the psyche of our brain in those moments, by the way. So number one, they're unreliable. Number two, they're usually unbiblical 
Even the Christian ones, come on, are unbiblical. And you know what we do? We read them because we don't know the Bible and we'd rather read a book than the Bible. So a lot of us, we get our ideas of heaven from some little, you know, three-year-old child. There's a book that's very popular now, and it's called Heaven is for Real. And my third reason why I don't like them is because they're ridiculous. Let me tell you a little bit about this book. Number one bestseller, Heaven is for Real, is by about a three-year-old boy who, by the way, the doctors have testified and said he did not die. They have record that he did not die. And then the parents, well, hey, that's even greater miracle because he saw vision. All right. Well, you didn't die, so you got to rewrite the book. Um, So it says he died. He's three years old. And when he came back, he said all these things. Right? And he wrote a book. No, he didn't write a book. His dad wrote a book. And all the things that he said he saw, his dad knew about. So I, I don't think it's reliable. But let me, again, it's, it's unbiblical. The concepts in theology are offensive and false. For example, here's a slide of some of the illustrations from that book for the child's edition of that book. And the kid, who's now 11, says, man, these things absolutely happen. This is what I saw. I saw a white Jesus with blonde hair. And he says, Jesus had blue eyes. It's in the book. I think that's offensive. By the way, Jesus was not a white guy. He was not a black guy. He was a Jewish guy. We'll talk about that next week, by the way, when we talk about I quit. So that's ridiculous. Okay, and then when he, get, by the way, they all have halos. He said they all, they all had halos. And he said they all wore white togas with colored straps. Ugh. All right, this is illustrations from the book, riding around on elephants. And this is the throne of God. Come on. There's nothing biblical about this picture of the throne room of God at all. The giant God and the junior Jesus, God's Bubba, right there. God, junior varsity. I just, the whole theology of this book, by the way, if you read it and you loved it, I'm sorry (laughs) that you read it. (laughs) A better book would be Heaven by Randy Alcorn to find out about the real heaven based upon the Bible, not convoluted ideas of what we think pieced together through passages that don't really always connect well. So just a thought, heaven is a blast. It doesn't look like that. Um, James 1.16 says, don't be deceived. Verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Guys, if there's anything at all good on this planet, it's from God. Man, that love, that friendship, that laughter, that comedian. Man, I love to ski. I love to snow ski. Man, I have no doubt I'm going to be skiing in heaven. And, and because it's good. Man, it makes me glorify God. It gives him honor and glory. Man, I go down the mountain going, God, you're awesome. You're great. You're big. You're beautiful. Man, this is beautiful. God, you did awesome. If there's anything good here, the Bible says, it's from heaven. It's just a snapshot. It's just a glimpse. We've been given this life. Creation is good. In fact, the Bible says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. At the end of the age, we get a whole new heaven. It gets a whole done. Talk about extreme makeover. Man, it's get a new heaven and a brand new earth. And the earth is going to be like Eden. Perfect. In fact, the Bible says Eden will be restored. Beautiful colors, animals, our relationships. It's going to be awesome. Psalm 1611 says, You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Man, you're going to love heaven. You're going to love it. So let's talk about the other destination, destination B, hell. Nice. (laughs) I was not expected the red lights. Hell. Let's talk about, yeah. You got to applaud, Luke. Hell is also under attack, not because people don't think it's, great, but because people, well, say it's not even there. In fact, even in the Christian church, there are a lot of people, a lot of Christians who are now coming out thinking that maybe God is too loving to have hell. God is too loving not to have hell. Actually, hell is a reflection of God's love and his righteousness. By the way, people say, well, the the supreme issue of God is love. No, it's holiness. Because 
around the throne, the angels are not crying, love, 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 love is the Lord God Almighty. They're crying, holy, holy, holy. And because of God's holiness, it puts us in a position that's a little uncomfortable. Here's different words for hell that are used in the Bible. I'm going to throw them up so you can see, because somebody will say, well, that means something different. Um, Hell has... Basically, five main words. There's Sheol, it's primary in the Old Testament. It's the place where the dead go. It's divided into paradise and suffering and sorrow. It's translated hell, grave, and pit. There's Hades, which is a Greek word that basically means Sheol. It means the place of the dead, the underworld, the region of the departed, the realm where the dead go. There's another word that Jesus used called Gehenna. And all these words are translated as hell in the Bible. Gehenna. And Gehenna is basically a place called the Valley of Hinnon, which is a, or Hinnon, which is a, a, an old ancient, uh, human sacrifice place that was turned into a city dump right outside the Dung Gape, uh, in South Jerusalem. And it was always burning. It was basically a, a constantly burning, continually burning garbage heap. And Jesus often referred to that place as a picture of hell. Paul used a play, or sorry, Peter used a word called tartos, which is uh, basically a Greek mythology word, which means the deepest abyss. And he says, that's the place of the demon dungeon. In fact, Peter said that there are angels there now that are in chains awaiting the final judgment. It's interesting. There's one more and it's in Revelation. It's called Lan Per, which basically means lake of fire. And that is also translated as lake of fire and also hell. And it is the final place. So the first thing that you need to know about hell is this. Hell was created by Jesus. Jesus gave us hell. This is what it says, John 1, 3, it says, Through him all things were created. Without him nothing has been made. John 1, 10 says, All has been made by him. Romans eleven thirty six says, Everything was made for him, by him, through him, and exists because of him. Colossians 1.16 says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus created hell. Jesus created the lake of fire. He rules over it. His presence is there, but not in the way you want. His righteous judgment is there, not as goodness and glory. Hell was created to deal with two kinds of people. Number one, hell was created to deal righteously with Satan and fallen angels. Jesus clarifies this and he says in Matthew 25, he says, Then I will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. It was created to deal righteously with Satan. Number two, it was created to deal righteously with sinners. Second Thessalonians says, he will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting, everybody say everlasting, everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That means away from the joy and pleasure of his glory. Instead, they will receive his wrath. Verse 10 says, on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people, and to be marveled at among those who have believed. Now, a lot of people will say, well, why wrath? Why Why could a God who's so loving give us a place of such torment and judgment? And again, it goes right back to one of the core attributes of God. He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. His wrath is righteous. His wrath is a reflection of his holiness. In fact, the Bible calls him a consuming fire. The Bible says that God is a fire, a consuming fire. To the point that when we say, you know what, but I have got all these good things that I've done. I've, I've done good things. I've, I've, uh, I've, you know, I've, I've been so good <laughs> trying to catch you. This thing's like on fire. Huh? Watch this. He goes, okay. He says, I've done good things. But God says, ah, when you get in my presence, <laughs> I did want to grab it. People say, but you know, but I go to church and God says, yeah, I am a consuming fire. But, but you don't understand. I read my Bible and I give a tithe and an offering and I've, I help people at work. I give to that Christmas tree in the mall. But God says, but you know, I am a consuming fire. And here's the problem. 
The Bible says we are sinners, every one of us. The Bible says that our good works are as filthy rags. We could try all day long and do all things right in our own actions, but the Bible says that all of our actions do nothing in the presence of a holy, righteous God. The Bible says that we are consumed in his presence. The Bible says our sin doesn't have a chance in the presence of God. See, God is holy. See, this is key to understanding hell. Hell is there because God is holy. We are sinners. We are separated by God. We are born to stand before a consuming fire. And because of the sin nature that we are born with, it's not good news for any of us unless there's an answer. This is what it says. It says we were created... Hell was created to deal righteously with Satan. It was created to deal righteously with sinners. I think of when a young person gets mad at a parent for deserved discipline. Now, it's never happened at our house, but but when someone gets in trouble and you get pushed back, you get an argument, right? And you're like, but you deserve this, but then they give us flack. Any parent ever felt that before? No parent? All right, a few of you. Some of you, I guess, aren't disciplining your kids. I'm just kidding. Because there's pushback, right? We're like, ah, oh, you know, how dare you ground me? Oh, well, yeah, you did do this. But, you know, here's the thing. I think some people wake get angry at God for his justice. God says, I'm holy, I'm righteous. Uh, God, I'm a sinner. Hey, God, how dare you? Oh. But we are sinners. We're unrighteous in the eyes of God, we are sinful. We are consumed in the light of his holiness. Jesus and the apostles give us a pretty clear picture of hell. So let's talk about what hell is like. We saw heaven. Let's look at hell. First thing I want you to know, it will be unspeakable suffering. It will be unspeakable suffering. Revelation fourteen ten says, They too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured out full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the lamb. And the smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night. I often think what would hell be like? It'd be like the desire to take your life, but you can't take your life living with this constant feeling of wanting to end the pain and suffering, but you cannot end that pain and suffering. The Bible tells us that there will be unspeakable suffering. Second thing that the Bible tells us that there will be unsatisfied cravings. Luke 16, Jesus gives this story about a man who goes to paradise or the bosom of Abraham, uh, and then another man who goes to torment, the place of suffering in Sheol, and he's crying out to God uh, to, to, to help those that don't know yet. And this is what he says, in Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony. In this fire, he says, man, just a tiny little tap of water. It's so painful here. I want you to know there'll be unsatisfied craving because the answer there from Abraham was no, there's no coming out. There's no going in from anybody else once they're in. Third thing about hell is that it's unquenchable flames of fire. It is unquenchable fire. Mark 9, 48 says, where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. Revelation 21, 8 says, fire, fire, the, uh, mentions the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Revelation 20, 10 says, the lake of fire and brimstone tormented forever and ever. Matthew 13, 41 says, the son of man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil and they will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth a furnace, a blazing fire. The next thing about hell I want you to know is this, is that it will be a place of eternal separation from loved ones. It will be a place, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I, I'm in the 80s, you know, 
and, uh, you know, Iron Maiden and, you know, Megadeth and those type of groups. And it's like, yeah, dude, all right, you know. So I could do my great, uh, you know, like pothead dude, you know. We used to call them like freaks when I was in high school, you know. And uh, man, he's like, man, I totally want to go to hell because that's where my friends are. Iron Maiden, man, is in hell. That's where I want to be. I'm like, no, you don't. Eternal separation from loved ones and those loved bands. Um, Luke 13, 28 says, there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom, but you yourself thrown out. He says, you know what? You are going to see people that you love, but they will never see you again. You will see and desire to connect with those that you love, but you will never be able to know them. You'll never be able to touch them. You'll never be able to hold them. You'll never be able to speak to them. And they won't even be thinking about you. Here's the last thing I want you to know is that hell is forever. Hell is forever. It's not a, you know, serve your time and you get to go to heaven. It is a, our sin, if it's not taken care of with Jesus, then we remain a sinner for the rest of eternity. And our sin in the presence of a righteous and holy God is forever consumed. We are eternal beings. So our sin causes us to suffer for eternity. Hell is forever. This is what it says in Revelation 20, 10. It says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of uh, burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. He's already talked about those that have already followed the devil uh, or Satan. Those that are unbelievers will be thrown there. It says, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever 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 and it will go on forever and ever. Hell is forever. So here's the big picture. I want to want to draw you an illustration the best I can with the big picture of what I talked about today. I need five volunteers. Can I have five people to come down here? Yeah, just come on down. Anybody? Yeah. Go ahead. That's you. Five volunteers. Thank you. Can be anybody. Five people. All right. All right. Just kind of stand right there for a minute because some of you guys are going to go to hell. All right. (laughs) All right. I'm going to draw you a picture of the Bible's view of eternity best I can. All right. With this duct tape. And I'm going to Can you guys up there see the tape? No? Well, you need to sit closer. All right. That's what you get. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it would be nice to have it further out, but there you go. All right. All right, here we go. We got one more line. I want you all to go right here. This is Earth. All right. This is Earth. Oh, I knew that was going to happen, so here's the backup. Here we go. All right. All right. Be earthly. Talk to each other. Here you go. All right. Okay. Here's what's going to happen. The Bible tells us that we have a view. By the way, in the Old Testament, this is what happened when you died. When you, in the Old Testament, before Jesus, everybody went to Sheol. Come over here. Everybody went to Sheol, all right? Sheol is the grave. Everybody went to the grave. However, the Bible says those that followed after God, those that pursued to know God, that were faithful to to knowing God by faith, they were still in Sheol, but they got to go to a place of Sheol called the bosom of Abraham or paradise. So I want you two ladies to go back here behind this green line, and you are now in paradise, you guys are in Sheol, place of suffering and torment, all right? In fact, let's put, yeah, three of you is fine. All right, we'll put three of you. Now, this is earth. That is the Old Testament. Before Jesus, we're all sinners. 
But the Bible says because of Adam and Eve, we were born into sin. And that meant when we died, we all died in our sin. So none of us, none of us in the Old Testament could ever go to the glory of God. This is the glory of God, this area over here. This is heaven. This is where God's presence is experiencing his goodness, right? So apart from Jesus, the Bible says everybody in the Old Testament went to Sheol. Some to torment and suffering, some to Blessing. Don't really know what happened there because the Bible doesn't describe what happens there. The Bible does say in the Old Testament that they got to see family members there. David, whose son died of birth, he said he can't wait to see him in paradise. So he got to see his son who died at birth or shortly after birth in paradise. So Jesus died, however, on the cross. He came to earth to satisfy the father's wrath upon sin to satisfy justice. And when he was buried, the Bible says that he did not go to hell, but he did go to Sheol. And the Bible says he went to paradise. The Bible says that when Jesus died, he went to paradise. Well, where does it say that? Well, look at this. Luke 23, 43 says, Jesus answered him to the man on the cross, the thief on the cross. He says, the repentant thief who's saying, Father, He was saying, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus said, truly today, I will see you. I'll see you today in paradise, bro. He says, we're going to die in a few minutes. I'll see you in paradise. So the Bible says he went to paradise. Here's a couple other verses. It says this. It says in Ephesians 4, it says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. That means when he resurrected from the dead. Now, what does he ascended mean except that he descended to the lower earthly regions? This is in Ephesians. He's talking about he went to Sheol. He went to Sheol. He took the people of paradise with him to heaven. The lost remain. Verse 10 says, he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all of the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So he says he descended and he took many of those captives and set them free. Jesus did not go to the suffering side of Sheol. He went to the blessing side of Sheol. The cross was payment. It's a big word called propitiation, which means the wrath satisfier or payment for our sin. His shed blood saves us from the wrath of eternal separation from the goodness of God. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went to those that were the faithful prophets of old. Those men and women that loved God and pursued God, those priests that were faithful, those men and women, those children that followed after the ways of the Lord, that were hanging out in paradise, and this is what he did. Come here. He took them when he resurrected from the dead. The Bible says he took them to paradise. This is what it says in Peter. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body. That's his death. But he was made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits. He's talking about those that were dead in paradise. And apart from God, he set the captives free. He set those that were In those spirits that were bound in paradise, he set them free. He set the captives free. Now, this is what happens. After the cross, there is no more paradise. There's a renovation in made made room for more people, right? I don't think that's his intention, but basically paradise in Sheol is no longer there. And paradise is now a reference to what we can expect in heaven. So when we say paradise, it's a reference to heaven because the old paradise is done with. So the question is, who goes to hell? And here's the answer. Everyone, everyone without Jesus goes to hell. That's what John 3, 3 says. He says, verily, verily, I say to you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. That born again means made brand new. Unless they are made new in Christ. And let's say begin anew. John 3.13 says, no one has ever gone into heaven. Again, this is before he rescued the, the prisoners in paradise. Before he took them to heaven. This is what he says. No one, no person, no human being has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. The son of man. 
Again, this is before the resurrection. This is at a time when all of them were still in shale. He says, no one's been there yet but me. He says, but just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That's talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. That everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then one of the most popular verses of the Bible is the very next verse. He says, for God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him will not perish in hell, but have eternal life with the Father. For God did not send his Son into the world. Verse 17 is huge. We often forget verse 17. God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Verse 18, huge. This is a big picture of why people go to hell. He says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. So here's the, there are people in hell because they're born sinners. You are going to hell without Jesus. I don't want to be the person to bring that bad news, but it's actually really good news. That's why the gospel is called good news because good news, we're sinners. Christ died for our sins. You can be forgiven. Good news, right? He says, but if you don't believe, you stand already condemned They have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. You see, again, going back to that flame, I want you to picture that fire. No matter how good we are, no matter how good an effort we are, no matter how pure our motives were, no matter how solid of a person we are, no matter, I mean, you could have a person that never cussed, never swore, never drank, never got drunk, never got high, right? Never did a bad thing, always did good things, always, but without Jesus, we're still sinners, For all of sin, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. And without Jesus, we're already condemned. So every person that you love that's a good guy and a good gal, without Jesus, they're already condemned. But good news, good news, when you die in Christ, you go to heaven. You die without Christ, you go to hell. Good news, God does not want you to go to hell. This is the very reason why Jesus came. The Bible says that while we were yet enemies of God, Christ died for us. He was the wrath satisfier. He was the payment for our sins. Jesus died, was buried. He set the captives free in shale. He rose again so that now we too will rise and live forever in the glory of God Almighty. Jesus has conquered sin, hell, death, and the grave and in fact, the Bible says that in 2 Corinthians um, 5, 8, it says, in fact, the Bible says that when we die, we immediately go to heaven. To be apart from the body is to be present with the Lord if you are a Christian. So you don't have to go to purgatory. You don't have to go to a place of working out your sin. In Jesus, you go straight to him. Without Jesus, you go straight to Sheol still, a place of the dead where the Bible says there's suffering and pain and torment and unsatisfied desires. and You guys can go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to wrap it up. Let's give it up for our, our volunteers. I set you free from hell. Be free. <laughs> Thanks, man. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says not only is this where we are now, but the Bible says there's a future that's even different. The Bible says that there'll be a day, check this out, when heaven and hell will be made new. If I can get this out. Heaven and hell will be made new. And the Bible says that that place, that new heaven and that new earth will both be the place where God dwells in his presence. So he will dwell on the new earth, in the new heaven, in your new body. And the Bible says that Sheol, will be done away with as well. But this time, Sheol will be cast, and all those in it will be cast into utter darkness, into the lake of fire. That's the future. That's not where we are now, but that's where it's going to be one day. This is what the Bible says in Revelation 20, 14. It says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire in the second death. The lake of fire is that second death. By the way, the first time you die physically, the second death is the lake of fire. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life 
was thrown into the lake of fire. See, there's a heavenly tension here, and there's a heavenly invitation. And this is what I want to end with. The reality is, is not every one of you in this room will find their place in heaven. I wish it were so that every one of you would be, but not everyone here will. And I don't know who of you will not be in heaven. I'll tell you one thing, I'm going to do everything within my power to make sure my family's in heaven. Philippians 12, uh, Philippians 1.21 says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? He says, I don't know. He says, I really want to die. I really want to go to heaven. I want to see my family. Some of you, you're like, I want to see my dad. I want to see my mom. I want to see my husband or my wife. I want to see my kids. God, life is hard. I feel like every time I turn around, everything's against me. God, I just want to go to heaven. He says, I'm torn between the two, earth or heaven. I desire to depart and be with Christ, but which is better by far? He says, uh, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul says, you know what? There's a tension here. I so badly want to go to heaven, but my work here is not done. Some of you, it's time to recognize your destination, but live in this life. Live in this world. Live for those that are living. For some of you, there's a heavenly invitation for the unbeliever. 1 John 5, 12 says, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. So I'm going to encourage you today. Will you bow the knee, your heart, to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? See, one day I will die, and I will run in the fields of eternity. I will climb the great mountains of glory, and I will ski down them. I will gaze across the eternal seas of heaven, and I will meet my Savior and I will worship at the feet of my Lord. And when I get there, I want my wife to be there. I want my kids to be there. I want my friends to be there. More than anything else, I want you to be there. So I've got in your notes something on your, on your back of your notes. It says, heaven's most wanted. I want you to do this today. I want you to write down 10 people you want to see in heaven. You may have more than 10. Write down heaven's most wanted. All right, maybe you need to take it home and think about it for a while. You can start right now if you want. And then I want you, led by God, to do everything you can to help them get there. Some, you know, I've done funerals, a lot of funerals where I didn't know if the person was a Christian or not. And, you know, some ministers, they get up there and they, they, they lie about how great this person was and how I'm sure they're in heaven. You know, I've never sugarcoated the fact that this person may or may not be in heaven. I don't, I don't say they're in hell, but I do give them a very clear invitation. I say, here's the deal. I know if they could speak to you today, they would say one thing for sure. Be with Jesus. Jesus. If the dead who are in hell today, your friends or family, if they had anything to say to you today, it would be, choose Jesus. But they can't tell us. They can't talk to us. So I'm telling you today, choose Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that, uh, Lord, as horrible as hell is, it's a reflection of your righteousness. It's a reflection of your glory. It's a reflection of your goodness. And Jesus is a picture of that love for us. So God, I pray that today, Lord, we would understand that your loving kindness that brought us to the cross is the very same holiness that demanded the cross. Father, we love you. If you're here today and you, you need to say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. I surrender to you today. Could you take the time right now just to talk to him for a minute and say, Jesus, 
forgive me of my sin. I don't want to go to hell. But more than anything, Jesus, I want to be with you. I want, to, I want the joy of the Lord in my life. I need the peace that comes with walking with you. Jesus, I need you. Will you talk to him and just tell him, God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Forgive me. I, I've walked with you now. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my soul. God, here I am. Go ahead and tell him that. Take a moment to say, Jesus, here I am. Father, for your never-ending love, your spirit that reaches out to us. God, I pray that we would get an understanding of heaven and hell that gives us an urgency to tell those that we love about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, heads out, eyes looking at me. We're going to wrap it up real quick. Uh, I'd like the ushers to come forward. But as they're coming forward, if you said yes to Jesus today, if you rededicated your life or said yes to him for the first time, either one, could you just raise your hand and say, you know what? That was me. I got things right with God today. Come on, who's who's unashamed of Jesus? Amen. Hands all over. You say, you know what? That was me. Thank God. Father, thank you for your, look. yeah, you can give him some praise. God, thank you for your faithfulness in our life. God, I pray you to help us to be, Lord, disciples of you in Jesus' name. All right, that's the first step, beginning that relationship. Next week, we're going to start a series called I Quit. It's going to be quitting things that need to be quit. Uh, So, ushers, ready? Are they over there? No? Yes? Oh, there you are right there, Mike. Thank you. All right. God, thank you for this time to give. I pray that you bless uh, this offering. Multiply it, Lord. You know what we have need of. God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right quick announcement and I'm going to try to throw throw through some of these while the offering is being passed is uh, the Harris Life Team is moved from Tuesday to Monday alright so if you're going to the Harris Life Team it's on Monday not Tuesday as uh, as they hand out says alright this person says if a small child dies does it go to heaven I believe so we see that picture with David and his baby that died I believe there's a the age of accountability for all of us when we recognize what is evil, and that is the age. Um, uh, this person said, "Why do you think about what do you think about the consistent accounts of near-death experiences describing circling above one's body and approaching a light?" Uh, I have a, a very long answer to that, and and I think um, it probably wouldn't satisfy some of you because I think that our brain is extremely powerful and subjective and I have a, it is pointed for man to die once and here's this is important this is in, extremely important the Bible overrides experience alright so when our experience does not align with the Bible we don't change the Bible to match our experience we must understand our experience might be leading us astray our heart is deceptively wicked our mind is, does not clearly have the mind of Christ as it should. And even for a Christian, it might lead us to believe things that aren't true. Now, obviously, we want to honor and glorify God. And I don't we want to be dogmatic about that. But just kind of let the Bible be the, the guide. This person says, does the Bible tell us what happens to those who never hear the gospel? Yes, the Bible says you go to hell. Because we are sinners. That's the challenge That is why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. He says, says, people are dying and going to hell. The harvest is ripe and they're dying on the vine, Jesus said. So apart from being told, he says, how will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless they're told? So Jesus says, go then. That's a challenge to us. You see, we want to think that if you don't know about Jesus, well, God, he's good. He's loving. He'll let him in. But he's holy. And we are sinners. So that's a problem for every one of us. That's why the cross is so significant. And now we must throw the lifeline. All right? So I want to challenge you. Jesus... His, he gave what's called the Great Commission four times, which is go and preach the gospel, rescue those in their sin. 
But what we want to do is expect God to take care of it for us. When he says, I've already given you a plan, tell them, all right? I'm just I'm getting my preach on. Um, do you believe Christ can be in someone's heart that has never heard of him? No, I do not. Because we are sinners. We become the temple of God as salvation. Again, the gospel overrides our experience or opinion. Um, a couple more. Since Jesus is the main source of love and forgiveness, does he love the devil? Or better said, does he hate him? And has he never forgiven him for trying to overpower God? I'll tell you this. God is love and God is pure, holy, and wrath and anger all at the same time. So does God care for his creation? Yes, including the devil. Does God despise evil and hate sin? Yes, because he is holy. And Bible, the Bible says God did not give an invitation for Satan or fallen angels to be redeemed. He only gave that invitation and promise to Christians or to humans, to humans. So just a thought. Are you guys still with me? I'm sure Chris back here is ready for me to go. All right. This one's too long to answer. I will answer some of these personally back to you. <laughs> this person says, let's get more flash paper. Alright, this one says, uh, are there multitude, are there multiple judgments initially at death when Jesus returns for judgment day? Uh, there is a different views on heaven and hell where there is the judgment of the lost and there's a judgment of the Christian. The abhemacy, the great right through judgment. Has ads come on yet? Alright, well let's go ahead and, oh, you, thanks. Well, you know what, I will answer these for you with a text, that's a few of them. God, we love you. Thank you. You're faithful. You're good. Lord, thank you for your salvation that sets the sinner free. I was lost, but now I found. I was blind, but now I see. God, your amazing grace, God, that was shed for me. Everybody said amen to that. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.